Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is a part of the series, This Is My Story. In this series, we take the infallible truths of Scripture and pair them with the powerful testimonies of God's people. We will see how our stories declare timeless truths about God. Ben is one of our trustees here. Um, He's right over here. He's on his way up, and he's going to read our scripture for today. And then uh, we're going to jump into week number three of our uh, This Is My Story series, week number three, and we're going to hear a testimony um, from Candon Evans. So if you'll grab your Bibles and uh, read with Ben today. Good morning. Nice to see you all here. Is it me? Or is it just? Is it getting warmer in here, a little by little? <laughs> it was chilly early on. Some of you that got here early, you know what I'm talking about. But anyway, the Lord, it's warmer when we're all meeting together, and uh, it seems to be that way. Anyway, please turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah 29. We will read verses 4 through 14. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies. The Lord, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem, build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. Do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams, because they are telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised. And I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Tell everybody, because I know you, but tell everybody your name and how old you are and um, where you grew up. Uh, my name is Candon Evans. I'm 28. Had to think about it for a second. Um, and I grew up here in okay. Chester um, and quite literally in this church. Yeah. So, so you've spent some time here when you were a kid. Yeah. Um, what... Uh, Let's let's kind of we'll catch everybody up to today. Okay. What was 
home like for you? So, I am one of three. Okay. I'm the middle child and the only girl. Yep. I have an older brother, Charlie, who's will be 32 this year, and then my little brother would be would have just turned 26. Yep. He passed away in 99. Um, and then six months after he passed away, Brenda Witten, who obviously everyone knows, um, reached her son Michael and Corey were best friends. And so he she reached out to my mom. So I really think this would be a good place for Candid and Charlie. Um, our, the children's ministry was like booming at that point. So, you know, I really think the children's ministry would be awesome for them, like all the things. So probably that summer we came and just to try it out with my parents. And of course the first night we came or the first day we came was like children's Sunday. Cause they only did it one Sunday. Everyone leave your parents and go to the back end of the choir room. And I was terrified. Yeah. So we go back there and I'll never forget James and Jason we knew James. We didn't know Jason. Um, we're super welcoming and made sure Charlie and I were included. And like, that's something that actually really funny when we first started coming back, Jason was here that Sunday. And like, it was like, you know, just kind of the connection of it was really cool. That's amazing. Yeah. And so that, um, uh, Corey passing away yes. was what brought you to church yes. prior to that. Y'all weren't going to church or... I would go occasionally with my nanny. Like, okay. if we would stay the night on Saturday nights, that was, like, the thing. You got up on Sunday morning and went to church with her, but not, like... No, I don't remember ever yeah. being, like, active specifically in a church. Now, Corey and Michael went and were kind of friends because... They, they both have cerebral palsy. They both have cerebral and palsy. And so, <laughs> my mom's going to kill me for telling the story... Um, the first day, Corey and Michael, they went to Obie Gates together for Obie Gates. Brenda and my mom actually met because they were standing in the bushes of the windows of Corey and Michael's classroom, <laughs> like peeking in, making sure the teachers were doing the right thing. And that's how they met each other. Oh, my gosh. Yep. That is funny. Yeah. They were little creepers. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Not just much being moms. Yeah. Being moms. Um, and so up up till that point, and then when Corey passed, I, I knew that was that was tough yeah. for you guys. Yeah. Um, to un- that's an understatement yeah. there. Um, wh- tell tell me, how old were you? I was seven. I was six. You were six. I turned seven six months later. Tell me, um, that kind of seemed like a planned disruption. I would say it, it probably seemed like life was kind of yeah. what what was what it was kind of. Chiming along, you were six, but... And it happened super quick. So, Corey passed away with cancer, um, but they actually found it, I want to say a few days after Christmas. Don't quote me on this timeline. But, you know, between Christmas and the beginning of January, they gave my parents... He had six months, and he passed on January 10th. Yeah. And then his fourth birthday would have been the 20th. So, I mean, it happened like boom, boom, boom. Yeah. So, not really much time to prepare your nine and six-year-old, like, what's going on. Wow. Yeah. And so you guys attended here for a while and then stopped. So we, as a family, came here until my dad stopped coming when I was like, I don't know, probably like 13. He just stopped. And then his thing was he wasn't going to make, if he wasn't going, he wasn't going to make us go. So Charlie stopped. Um, So then it was just me and my mom. And then my parents split up when I was 15, going on 16. And then at that point... Um, my the way my parents split up was super. I mean, it was rough and it was muddy. And as a 15 year old, my mom's here, my dad's not, and so I felt almost like 
when I came in here, I had to be like anti my dad. And so I didn't wow. like that. And so I just stopped. Yeah. Because everyone was like friends with her. We've been here for so long. Sure. So you're married. Yes. Yeah, your husband, Jeremy. Yes. Yeah. Um, he's my, my BFF. Yes. Yeah. And then um, y'all have three kids. We do. Three kids together. How did y'all meet? So during this whole, like, when I was 15, I stopped coming to church. That was it. I was mad. I was serious with God. I wanted nothing to do with it. Um, so I had stepped away from that completely. During that time is when I met y'all at Sergio's. Yeah. Um, I was completely disengaged. And then in 2012, my mom um, was seeing someone, and I went to go meet him, and Jeremy was his next-door neighbor. No way. Yeah. So I wow. ended up meeting Jeremy just because I went to meet him, and he just happened to be his next-door neighbor, and we've been together nine years in July. Wow. So. Nine years. And you guys, have, y'all had Kaysen. We did. Uh, beautiful uh, little girl, and she and she she has some health stuff going on. She does. So um, we had Kaysen four years into our relationship. Everything was fine. Um, the summer before we got married, she was two and a half. Um, she had a seizure the day after 4th of July. We were in Virginia Beach with two of our friends, um, our best friends. We were staying there for the yeah. week. Uh, Jeremy had just gone back to work, so he was not there. It was just me, Sean Terracason. Um, And so she had her first seizure. We went, got her into children's. I scheduled her for an EEG, but that wasn't until three days after our wedding. Okay. Um, from July 5th to the EEG on August 28th, she had five additional seizures. Um, and we had no answers. We had no, there's nothing we could do but watch them, try to video them, and time them. Um, and then the we got married on July 25th. That night, Kaysen ended up in the hospital because she had thrush, and she was in the hospital three days. We got out the same day as her EEG, so we were discharged that morning, EEG, and then we went home. Yeah. And she was diagnosed with epilepsy. Yeah. And so it's been just a struggle to control her seizures ever since. Yeah. And we met you guys pre the twins. Yes. Well, pre the wedding. Connected. Yeah. Pre the wedding. Yeah, that's right. I married I would you hope guys. So. Yeah. I married you guys. Um, so, t- talk about reconnecting with God. What does that look like for you and Jeremy? Um. So it was really weird. Um. Like I said, when I left here, I was totally disconnected. I was mad. Um. I feel like while I was gone, now looking back, I can see where this things were harder than what they should have been sure. um i'm not gonna say that everything was this big tear because I'm, I'm at my husband i had my child like you know things happened that were good but i can see where our path would have been a lot easier if this wasn't the path that we had decided to take and i remember deciding to come back um and coming in here and i remember walking through those doors with case and just feeling like i was home yeah it was just this this feeling that like I had this feeling that I was missing something for for years from the time I left. And I remember coming back in and being like, oh, yeah. like this was it. Yeah. And so, we, yeah, ever since. And so wow. Jeremy came back that one time and since he's given his heart to the Lord and he's, yeah. you know, and we're here all the time. So. Yeah. Well, and I've seen tremendous growth in you both. And Thank especially you. with... You know, pursuing having more kids. Yeah. yeah. That was a tough season for you guys. Yeah. So 
We had cre- we had connected previously, yeah. um, but we found out that fall that it was going to be pretty rough for us to grow our family. Um, so Jeremy, I reached out to Kirsten because I knew that y'all, Kirsten had become more, she had just started becoming more open yeah. about y'all, we all were walking through, and I reached out to her after Women's Bible Study one night, talked to her about it, and from that point on, we were like inseparable, yeah. and still are. Um, and then a couple months later, we got, our doctor told us like, you're going to need fertility medicine if you're going to get pregnant. Um, and so I remember going home and I had this paper. She sent me home with this paper and it was like, here are all the pros from being on this drug. Here are all the cons. If you get pregnant, this is what you're looking at versus this is what you're looking at. And I, Jeremy and I went down the list and I remember being like, what do we do? And he said, if this is, if this is what we have to do, we have to do it. Um, and I was obviously in contact with Kirsten at that point, totally on my side. Um, yeah. I will say if you're ever going through something like this, you need a battle buddy mm. more so than sometimes your husband. Yeah. And I know she's your wife and you yeah. boost her ego a lot, but like <laughs> you cannot have a better, I could not have a better friend. I could not have had somebody more on my team than she was and has been since that day. Yeah. I mean, Carl, there were days that I didn't want to get out of bed and Kirsten would text me and be like, get up. Take take Kason on a walk. Read your Bible. Yeah, you know I'm praying for you. Just things that you wouldn't, that most people don't think to do. Mm. So for real, if you're you know going through something, get you a battle buddy. Yeah, you can't have mine, but you can have one. Yeah, that's it. But um, so we were going through that. Jeremy and I on this paper. Um, one of the pros said you are more likely to conceive multiples, and then on the cons list, it was like. You're more likely to miscarry. You're more likely to um, have a child with chromosome defect. You're more likely to have premature labor. It was this whole thing, and I laughed at him and said, how funny would it be if we had twins? And I was like, God, we would be the ones. (laughs) Um, And so we did Clomid. um, And then a couple weeks after we did Clomid, right before I was waiting to take the pregnancy test, I had three dreams in a row that we were pregnant with twin boys. Mm-hmm. I texted Kirsten and my sister-in-law and told them, and they were like, you're insane. Mm-hmm. Now we have twin boys. Now you have twin boys. Now we have twin boys. And so, and it's crazy because I think about it, and I remember being in that season, and there was this time where um, I had to go pick up Jeremy for work for whatever reason. One of the vehicles wasn't working, whatever. And I remember on the way to go pick him up, like, Liter- sitting there yelling at God. I mean, just yelling. Yeah. You know, why? I don't understand. Hasn't enough happened? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what's going on here? What am I doing wrong? If You know, wh- what do I need to do? Um, and I remember just, just yelling at him and just being so mad. Yeah. And I remember having this calm come over me. And just to myself, I was like, I, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. You have to trust in the storm. Mm. You need to you need to trust God even when it's not easy and even when you're in the middle of a storm. And so, Kirsten and I kind of talked about it. Jeremy and I kind of talked about it, and we started climbing not long after, and we got wow. pregnant with the boys. So, I I've always been encouraged by y'all's story. I Thank think you. that um, when you look back over your life, 28 years, um, very bumpy. Yeah. Um, some ups, some downs, some really high highs, some really low lows. When you hear the verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, that says, 
For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not harm you. To give you a hope and a future. When you look back over your life, despite all of that, can can you see where God had a plan? Yes. Yeah. There's things and there's, in, in every season, that I can pick out and say... Yeah, this was hard, and this was rough, and I hated this, but this is what came out of this. Mm. Um, it was rough losing Corey. It was hard. It's something I struggle with today. Yeah. If we wouldn't have, we probably would have never drawn the doors of here. Mm. My parents divorced rough. It was hard. Struggle with it to this day. If my parents wouldn't have split up, I would have never met Jeremy. We would have never been together. Yeah. Um, same thing with Case and, and her epilepsy. I would have never leaned more into God same thing with the boys and with you know reconnecting with y'all it's and when I look back on it it's super it's real yeah that just watching all of this just was so lined up yeah and I should know it that God you know Romans tells us that God works all things together for good to those who love him and to those who are called according to his purpose Mm -hmm. and so that all things working together for good really does mean the good, the bad, the ugly. Right. And that even though in the season it may like look like, man, this this is a terrible plan. Yeah. Um, I think on the other end, we often get some perspective. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's just, you know, when you're in the middle of, I always call it the storm. When you're in the middle of the storm, yeah. it's like you see the waves and you see the clouds and you see the thunder and, and it's so scary and you can't see that two miles down the road it's not storming there yeah so I'm so thankful that we have you and Jeremy here we love your kids uh, thank you for sharing your story of today course, yeah thank you um, for having me yeah and um, my prayer is that people hear this mm-hmm. and that they see that God hasn't left them yeah when things get hard but mm-hmm. that he is walking through it with them yeah he's there you just gotta gotta listen for him sometimes it's yeah. a little quiet yeah Good. Well, that's it. Great. That was awesome. <laughs> I felt like I was on. Why don't you give Candon a hand this morning? Turn in your Bibles if you've closed them. Turn back to Jeremiah twenty nine, eleven. I'm about to wreck all of you. Uh, Okay, let me rewind. Jeremiah 29, 11 is what I consider a coffee mug verse, right? Everybody writes it on the coffee mug, put it on a t-shirt, for I know the plans he has for me. And we almost wrap this verse around us like a security blanket, like what I'm walking through right now, this plan, this thing I'm facing, and this seems like somebody's jacked up my story, somebody's stolen God's plan for my life. And we wrap ourselves in this Jeremiah 29, 11 and say, oh, well, this isn't the plan. He's got other plans. And unfortunately, that is not the what this text means. And so, last uh, week, number one, we talked about God as the author. Last week, we said God can change how your story ends. And today, we're talking about God has a story planned for you. But sometimes, 
The rub is right here. The rub is that sometimes it feels as if God has no plan at all. Sometimes it feels as if there's no plan in place or that maybe God has a bad plan. How could this, have you ever asked yourself this question? Here I am at this place in life. How did I get here? Whose idea was this? This is awful. This is a terrible story. This is a terrible plan. Um, I'll tell you one quick story. If Woody Jones ever comes up to you and says, I have a plan. Don't trust it. I'm just kidding. We call it the Woody factor. Woody calls me one day and he says, hey, you want to make some money? I said, absolutely. Well, I've got a plan. I said, all right. So I got a friend, I'm going to leave the names out, but they need a house emptied. And uh, all you got to do is just help us move this stuff out of this house. And so it shouldn't take long, no big deal. We show up to this house and there is stuff everywhere. There's stuff, there's branches in the backyard. There's like vines and junk and bags and trash and big bookcases and just all kinds of madness. I look around, I think this is not what I thought it was supposed to be. It's supposed to be an easy gig. We get halfway throwing stuff. We're throwing stuff left and right. Uh, how many of you enjoy going to the dump? Anybody? I love going to the dump because I relieve frustration. Lots, of, it's beautiful. So I'm just throwing stuff. I'm frustrated. I'm mad. I'm just throwing stuff. I'm like, what? You know, Woody's in the house working. And I'm just like, man, this is ridiculous. Ridiculous. And then this guy shows up. This guy shows up and he is a collector. This is what we'll call him. We won't call him a hoarder. We'll call him a collector. He says, stop, 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 stop. Uh, the owner of the house told me I can come over here and haul away some of this stuff and take it and treasure it and whatever he does with it. And uh, long story short, I could go into a lot of detail here. We showed up the next day. That old fella had fallen down the staircase and through a wall. There's blood everywhere. It looked like a murder scene. And I thought... You know, Woody had a plan <laughs> for me to end up in prison. But, but in all sincerity, um, man, I treasure Woody. Uh, we get into some, you, you want to have a good time? Go hang out with Woody and Sandra. You will have the best time of your life and you'll leave encouraged. You'll leave encouraged. But sometimes... Life seems like this can't be the plan. This can't be right. And unfortunately today, I'm going to destroy what this verse means to you. Then I'm going to try and reframe it so you can understand it better in the original context. And then you'll love it even more. 
That's my hope is that you'll love it even more. Um, even though, so first we need to understand that Jeremiah 29, 11 was not written to you. Okay, this, this scripture wasn't written to you, but that doesn't mean it's not for you. Okay, just because it's not written to you doesn't mean it's for you. So we have to understand who it's to, what it's about, but we can see something of God here. And that's this. And, and this is the main point for today. Because all of us ask this question, what is God's plan? What is God's plan for my life? I need to know what the plan is. And what you're really asking is, is you want to know what the future holds. That's what you're really asking. And what I hope to relate today is that to know God's plan, to know God's story, to know what it is, is to know God. To know God's plan is to know God. It's not to know the future. It's not, know, not to know what tomorrow holds. It's to know God. That's what it means to know his plan. Let's look at verse four. If, if we're gonna understand verse 11, we have to understand what comes before. Jeremiah is um, writing this. Uh, he is writing to some people and he tells us who that is. In verse four, he says, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says to all the captives, he is exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. He is writing this to people in captivity. God's people have been exiled for disobedience, which is, this has happened a couple times now. So, so they have been put into Babylonian captivity because of disobedience and idolatry. And Jeremiah is the prophet assigned at this point to communicate from God to them. And so when we read 11, we have to read it within the context of who he's talking to. And who he's talking to is slaves in captivity. They've been removed from their homes and taken to a foreign land. And they don't know how long this thing's going to last. Let's look at verses 5 through 7. And this is, so this is what the Lord of Harmies says to these exiles. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them, the children, so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city. Where, pay attention to this. Where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. For its welfare will determine your welfare. Very first thing you need to pick up on is many of us think that when we hit like tough parts in life, seasons of difficulty, we think that we have fallen outside of God's plan. When in fact, what we would see all throughout Scripture is that God may have sent you there. Now, look, there are repercussions. The Bible talks openly about the repercussions of living um, 
a terrible life and making bad decisions and there are repercussions for those decisions. But don't think, do not boast yourself up and pump yourself up to think that you have complete control. No, God has complete control. And he sent Israel into exile. It was God's plan. And that's, that's a hard pill for some of you to swallow today. That you are where you are and it's God's plan for you to be there. Divorce, infertility, losing loved ones. You are there because the Lord wants you there. And there's going to be a reason. This is not good news. So we're talking to exiles, we're talking to captives. And what do you want to hear from the Lord when you're in a rough patch? He's going to take me out. Right? No. He says, plan to stay. Go ahead and have kids set up camp. I'm sorry you didn't want to hear this message today. But many of you thought, many of you thought that God's ultimate goals and plans for you had to do with you. His ultimate goals and plans have to do with him. Yep. We should have handed out bottles of waters for these big pills everybody's swallowing this morning. The best growth comes through persevering through trials, not escaping them entirely. And when we learn perseverance, we find surprising joy. There's a Christian, that, there's a mentality that has woven its way into the Christian life that says that God doesn't want anything but good, happy, joy, joy for Carl. But in fact, he wants to work some things out of Carl. He wants to shape Carl. He wants to shape me into his image, one degree into the next. Because when you make God about you, it's no wonder that people fall in and out of love with the Lord. You have a shallow God. You're not worshiping the true God. Let's look at verses eight and nine. Keep following me. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says. Do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they are telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. You need to know some background to understand that. At the time Jeremiah is prophesying, there's another prophet. His name is Hananiah, and he is a false prophet. And so Hananiah is going around to all these people in captivity, and he's preaching all the feel-good stuff. That's what he's doing. He's saying, hey, guess what? The Lord told me you're going to get out of here in two years. Just give it a couple years. You're going to be jumped right out of this thing. And just some infant 411 for you. Jeremiah called him out for telling these false lies and said, you're going to die. The Lord's going to kill you. And sure enough, he died that same year. 
Hananiah was a false prophet, said they were going to be out in two years. And what we can pull away from this text, what we can understand is that there are going to be people in your life. There will be preachers. There will be all types of Christians that will try and say things to make you feel better and make you think that, well, this struggle, you know, is, well, it's going to be over soon, or they're going to say things that's going to make you feel good. Many of you have found today that at Transformation Church, you will not receive such tickling of the ears. Whew. So are you, I got to ask you a question. Can I ask you a question? Are you... <laughs> Are you after your own ultimate comfort or God's ultimate glory? What are you after? Because all these people in captivity, they were like, yeah, let's go for the two years. I want to opt for that. And look, I may have been in that camp. Look, this preacher's not going to sit up here and just say, yeah, you know what? I would have stood firm. I don't know. Two years sounds much better than what Isaiah is about to say. I mean, Jeremiah is about to say. Look at this, verse 10. This is what the Lord says. So he says, don't listen to these false prophets, okay? Here's what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. <sighs> A little different? But then I will come. And do for you all the good things I have promised. And I will bring you home again. When we look at the story that God has planned. It is important to understand that it is not on your timeline. It is not on Carl's timeline. God, does, God operates outside of time. God isn't on a clock. We're on a clock. God is not on a clock. God operates on his own time. But what this scripture tells us in verse 10 is that God fulfills what he promises. God fulfills every promise. He's not like some of the other people that you know. Maybe even people that are close to you. You know the people that can't keep their word? You know the people you can't trust? You know the people you don't call? He's not like that. You can call on him. Hey, you can call on him. And he will fulfill every promise to you. But it may not be on your timeline. I could go into how seven is the number of completion in the Bible. And so 70 days looks at completion. And then when he says, I'll bring you home again, how he's talking, um, how it alliterates to this picture of Christ coming back and bringing us home when things are complete. But I don't have time to peel it back. But to sum it up, you've got people in captivity. They've been falling for false um, words, false uh, preaching. They've been falling for it all. And then Jeremiah comes in and says, hey, listen, you better go ahead and set up camp because you're going to be in this season for a long time. 
In fact, you know what else it meant? 70 years meant the current adult generation would not live to see the day that the promise would come. So it feels like not good news, right? So now let's read 11, right? Coffee mug verse. Let's read it together. Let's see what it says. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a hope and a future. Let's just take it word for word here for a second. I know God is speaking to a captive people walking through a 70-year period. They're finding out now that they're going to struggle and be enslaved. And he says, I know. I know the plans. He has in his mental, in his capacity, in his thinking, he has it all there. It's already there. He knows every detail of your life. Every detail that you're going to walk through. Why is this a comfort? You may, some of you may say, and some of you may online might think, oh, well, why would God plan something like this? Well, let's find out. For I know the plans. Your life is planned. Okay? God, it's not haphazardly going about. God has a plan for your life and he is moving you in and out of all these seasons by his hand and he knows them. He knows them like the back of his hand, right? You've heard that phrase? He knows the plans I have. They're in his possession. I know we have GPS now, but back before GPS, you have to unfold those really big maps that you never can get back to fold right. Um, you just kind of ball them up and throw them in the back. Oh, y'all didn't do that? Okay. Some of y'all are just natural navigators, meaning you get nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a sense of direction, Pastor. Yeah, okay. Remind me not to ride with you. It matters who's holding the map, okay? You can really get lost if the wrong person's holding that map. You know that? You can get lost if the wrong person's holding the GPS, especially if it's not turned on. If the, if the volume's not up and you can't hear the cue, they'll wait until you're like at the, the, the turn and they'll be like, hey, it's right here. God has possession of these plans. They're in his hands. He has them. I know the plans I have for you, for good, not for disaster, to give you a hope and a future. Never once does it say in this scripture that he gives you the plans. He doesn't. He never says we get to see the chapters in advance. But he does give us some comfort as we watch the story unfold. What's his comfort? Some of you should read past. Read past verse 11. Look at verse 12. In those days when you pray, I will listen. Wow. All of a sudden, 
as I'm trudging through these 70 years, I know something. When I pray, God is hearing me. He listens to you. Did you know that? Ever feel like your prayers are hitting the ceiling? God hears you in those struggles. In the very darkest of days, he proclaims in those days when you pray, I will listen. And then he says something else. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. Many of us can't seem to find the Lord because you're not looking for him. (laughs) Most of the people that come in my office um, and they say, I just don't know where God's at in my life. I don't see him. I don't feel him. Or are you looking for him? Do you read your Bible? Do you pray? I mean, when I can, you know, it's kind of an ongoing thing. Many of us, and I've been through seasons of this, we don't pursue the Lord wholeheartedly, and so you don't find him. It's not rocket science, folks. You want the Lord in your life, you have to seek him, and you shall find him. That's his promise, that when my darkest days and the seasons that I don't want to walk through, that I know he's got a plan, and I know he's working something out, and I know he's there, and I know he's listening, I can seek him, and he promises that I will find him. I will find him. And then he even goes on in verse 13, uh, 14, he says, I will, fi- uh, I will be found by you, says the Lord. Notice the definitive nature of this text. It's not you might find me. It's not you have to kind of go through this navigating search. No, you will find me. There's never going to be a maze. There will never be a season where if you don't seek the Lord with your whole heart that you won't find him. You will find me, says the Lord. He says, I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations, the band can go ahead and come back, where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. Do you see what's in the text? To know God's story isn't to know what's going to happen next. To know God's plan is to know God. Is to know that he fulfills his promises. To know that he'll listen. Do you see the descriptors? He doesn't tell us where to find the treasure. He doesn't tell us where to find the the manual for life or the manual for tomorrow. He doesn't give us descriptors of what we're about to step into. Why? Because honestly, I think if you knew, you wouldn't be able to handle it if you knew the future. But then also, the goal is to know God. Say it with me. Say, know God. Home is where you belong. I will. Home is where God is. What hard thing are you going through? Everybody take a minute. What hard thing are you going through? In the midst of your suffering, I want you to cling to this text. I want you to cling to it, but cling to it for the right reason. Not in the false hope that God will take away your suffering, but in the true gospel confidence that he will give you hope in the midst of it. 
Let me read you some other scriptures here. Listen to this, Proverbs 69. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Proverbs 19.21. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Do you see? You see what scripture tells us? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. He'll make your paths straight. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all, um, that those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Jeremiah 1, 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet of the nations. Even in our own salvation, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, yet not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not a result of works that no one may boast. I like Ephesians 2, 10, too. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There's an old song. It was one of the very first songs I sang back when they had cassette tapes. Old cassette tapes. Anybody know what a cassette tape is? Some of y'all know what like stone uh, tablets are, but (laughs) you're awake now, aren't you? The chorus said, many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know Who holds tomorrow? And I know who holds my hand. There are many, many things about tomorrow I will never know. I will never understand. But I do know who holds tomorrow. Hear me. Hear me online today. Hear me in this place. I also know who's holding my hand. My grandpa used to sing, Hold to God's unchanging hand. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Today, my prayer as the band begins to sing and worship and we get to leave today. And I'll make this announcement. This is gonna seem way left field. Uh, Next Sunday, we're gonna have a members gathering right after the service. So if you're watching online, you're in here today, you're a member, we're gonna meet for 15 minutes after church next week to update you guys on some things. But when you leave here, my prayer that no matter what season you're in, that you would not miss him when he passes you 
when, when, you, when he passes you by. Jerry says it all the time when he comes up here and he sings. He says, don't let him pass you by, my friend. Grab a hold to him. Grab a hold to him. Don't ask for escape. Don't ask for God to fix it. Ask for more of God to be with you in the trial, to work whatever he's gonna work out and see you to the other side. I guarantee you, he'll carry you. And I trust him. You know he's a God you can trust today? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time we have had in your word that you know the plans you have for us, plans to prosper us, not to harm us, but to give us a hope and a future. And today, the reason I can trust you is not because you'll give me the plan, but because you'll give me more of you. Give us more of you today, God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Everyone said, amen. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA, located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.